0: Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson.
1: And I'm Olivia Snedden. Rob, this brings me to a little bit of a sad conclusion. So um, we talked about how much we, how highly anticipated the books we were reviewing this year
0: have yeah. been,
1: right? We started talking about that probably back in January or February. And I will say, this is really the final book on that list.
0: Yeah. Like yeah. We,
1: we have, And I'm not saying that we're not going to review more good books this year just saying that this is the last one like every time we talked about all the books we wanted to review this year Jeremy Robert Johnson came up and here it is tonight we are going to review The Loop
0: yeah i want to mention uh i feel so stupid um i because i was excited about reading you know reviewing this book and reading it and everything i pulled out my Jeremy Robert Johnson books and i set them up all nice by my whiskey collection and took a photo and posted it on the book uh instagram and um and I like the whole time I felt like something was off, like I I did something wrong, and um, like the next day or another a couple of days later, I look at my bookshelf and I'm like I didn't put Skullcrack City in the picture. I missed that book, and I was like, how did I fucking miss it? Like in my in my mind, I knew something was off. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been pretty excited about this too. Uh, but also obviously like. Maybe not in my entirely right mind because I can't take the accurate picture of all the J.R.J. books I got on my shelf. It's
1: because you're too worried about what whiskey bottles were propping them up.
0: That's yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, (laughs) because if one of them has to go, fuck those books.
1: Rob has exactly two collections in his life and he just talked about both of them. (laughs) At least, you know what,
0: in my defense, like there could be much worse collections I could have than books and whiskey.
1: This is uh this is true. Perhaps in a future episode we'll dig into what those worst <laughs> things could be. Um before we get going, um please, please take a moment, subscribe wherever you're listening. If you're not already subscribed, hit a like button, comment, do whatever it is that you can do. I and I say this very generically because we're on like 30 different platforms and they're all different. Um, If you're listening on YouTube, give us that thumbs up and a subscription. We'd love to see that from you. We're still very excited about the number of people that we're picking up on YouTube. Um, it'll help us out, and it'll help you out. And you're probably asking yourself, how will it help you out? Well, let me let me tell you. The more subscribers and listeners we have, the happier we are. And the happier we are, the better these episodes get. If you guys go back, you'll find episodes <laughs> where I'm not in a very good mood. <laughs> and they're just not as good episodes. Rob, Rob can attest to that, right? Uh, d- uh yes,
0: I have endured many yeah. of your your bad moods over the years.
1: Yes, exactly. So, but listen, <laughs> I'm in a, I'm in a good mood tonight, and that's because I know that everybody is busy right now, liking and subscribing and commenting and thumbs upping and whatever else you kids are doing. Uh, don't forget to go to our OnlyFans page and uh, and subscribe there too. Yeah, I'm, I'm b- busy
0: generating content for that right now. Um, and 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 since we're there, I also have to say word of mouth is a very good way of. Uh, uh, growing our podcast as
1: well so tell a friend very nice rob rob's going analog on this one so i just wanted to say mouth <laughs> all right here is the bio for jeremy robert johnson he is the author of the critically acclaimed collection entropy and bloom as well as the breakthrough cult novel Skullcrack city his fiction has been praised by The Washington Post and Publishers Weekly, authors such as David Wong, Chuck Palahniuk, and Jack Ketchum, and has appeared internationally in numerous anthologies and magazines. In 2008, he worked with the Mars Volta to tell the story behind their Grammy-winning album The Bedlam and Goliath. In 2010, he spoke about weirdness and metaphor as a survival tool at the Fractal 10 Conference in Medellin, Colombia. In 2017, his short story, When Susra Stirs, was adapted for film and won numerous awards, including the Final Frame Grand Prize and Best Short Film at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival.
0: Um, so he's a big, big deal, I guess. Uh, as far as the podcast is concerned, we reviewed him as far back as when he had the collection uh, "We Live Inside You" come out, which I think was like two thousand twelve or two thousand thirteen. Um, we also reviewed Entropy and Bloom, Skullcrack City, and In the River. And I think we've had him on for is it one or two interviews? We've at
1: least had him on one time for an interview back in twenty seventeen, but I think there might have been another. I believe there are two as well, and and if um, if things go our way, there might be a third one in yeah. the near future. Who knows? The hat trick as it were. Mm -hmm. All right. Here is the synopsis
0: of the loop, which is the book that we'll be talking about tonight. Stranger things meets world war Z in this heart racing thriller. As a group of teenagers attempt to survive the night in a town overcome by a science experiment gone wrong, a small town nestled in the hills of central Oregon becomes the epicenter of an epidemic of violence. When the teenage children of several executives from the local biotech firm become ill and aggressively murderous. Suddenly the town is on edge and everyone must do everything it takes just to survive. It did that thing that you love Livius where it compared
1: it to other like more popular and well-known things. Yeah. Yeah. I love, uh, love that. Um, you can go back and listen to our conversation with Zoya stage where we, where we talk about, how great that is um, other than that I would say that I like the synopsis I think it gives you just enough to give you a framework for what's happening in the story but definitely does not prepare you for what follows so um <laughs> this uh, this uh, book kicks off with a um, a, a podcast a, a conspiracy theory podcast that's talking about the odd um, potentially odd goings on in um, in this small town that's mentioned in the synopsis and uh a couple of those things um, being somebody who who um also enjoys the occasional um conspiracy theory seemed fairly well researched on 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 jrj's part. Uh, but he's talking about the tech firms moving to this area and like the weird goings-on and things that are being you know routed there and potentially what that could mean and then it follows a uh, uh, a death as well well, a mysterious death that could be tied into this this bigger plot that our our, our conspiracy podcast host is uh, is alluding to. The Night Watchman podcast is uh, is what it's called, and it, and it appears uh, it, it appears a couple of times in the book to kind of um, set up you know b- background information. But I think it's used I think it's used pretty well and 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 it's fairly enjoyable in, in its parts.
0: You know, I had this thought as you were mentioning the podcast, and um, I think we really need to run with this. This could be a, like a new a new thing for, for the two of us. We pitch as, you know, experienced podcasters to be like actors in in like TV shows or movies or whatever that like have like the exposition podcast as part of it. Like we just do oh. whatever, you know, we just do our podcasting personalities, but we use the information that they need for the show or for the TV or movie or whatever.
1: I like that. Cause you, you see that in movies, right? Sometimes they'll show the newscast and you'll be like, Hey, that's that dude from ABC. Like they use an yeah. actual legitimate. Yeah. And we're, we're kind of legitimate podcasters, right?
0: We are absolutely well for everybody, for all the network executives that are listening to this, we are 100% legit and um, we're really good at, whatever it is you need us to be good at in order to give us jobs. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. But I agree. I like that idea a lot.
0: <laughs> I like the idea of uh this particular because it's obvious that the podcast is uses exposition to kind of like set the tone for something. Um but it ties into like just kind of the like, even you can tell from the synopsis the a bit of insanity that uh is going on in this town. So Um, I don't think he could have chosen a better vehicle to kind of do some uh, stage setting before he got into the meat of the story, which kicks off with uh, Lucy, who is going to be our protagonist for the book, is in school. She's in high school and she's in class Um, and basically, you know, classmates are being assholes and um, so she's thinking like she's kind of reflecting on that as the the story begins, but something interesting happens in the class where, um, a kid, (laughs) uh, very, maybe like, here's the thing. There's going to be some kids that do some asshole, like freaky things. Like I mentioned in the synopsis and he chose it. He chose Jeremy, Robert Johnson chose to make those kids, the rich kids. And it all ties into the plot and it makes sense. So the asshole rich kids, um, just become more assholes. And in this place, in this case, it's a kid named Chris who freaks out and starts acting really weird and saying stuff that doesn't make any sense, and ends up like taking out the eye of one of his classmates. <laughs> and then, and and honestly, I love the opening of this story because the teacher, even after like this classmate gets stabbed in the eye, is like really like like a a wimpy teacher about it, where he's like, "Hey, um." you need to do this. Otherwise I'm going to call so-and-so and and he's threatening like the most like simple (laughs) of, you know, like repercussions on someone who just like physically assaulted and maybe like seriously injured one of his classmates. And, and it all goes down like seriously and in a really creepy way because nobody knows why this is happening. But at the same time, it's like it, it emphasizes the ineffectiveness of this particular teacher in a way that I thought was funny.
1: I agree, um, both with the statement uh, about the teacher, but also with with the kickoff. Um, these types of stories can sometimes take a while to get going. So the use of the Night Watchman podcast to kind of set the background in in a few short pages, and then what kicks off with a term that. Um, I don't think it'll be familiar necessarily to Rob, but all I kept thinking was the ultra violence throughout this book. And that's a, a reference to um, uh, clockwork. Orange was a, it was a term they used in that um, uh, both book and movie, if memory serves correctly, for sure in the movie. Cause I saw that uh, more recently than I read the book, but yeah, it's shit goes down in that classroom and it goes down in, in a really, really nasty way, which sets the tone for other incidents that will happen <laughs> through the course of this book. We won't, probably won't get too specific about them because we will get into spoiler territory. Um, Just know that this is a bloody, um, disgusting and violent book in many places. Um, That being said, the situation in the um, classroom uh, sort of is resolved at some point. And then we kind of follow Lucy around for a little bit as she's dealing with the ramifications of being front and center um, witness um, to this, so obviously she's suffering from some depression at watching um, some really bad shit go down. Um, she utilizes her friendship with a kid named Bucket, who is a, a classmate of hers, and they have a platonic uh, um, and very uh, very likable teenage friendship where they're they're pretty open with one another about things, and there's a lot of laughing and joking, and really it sounds like nothing's off limits. But the two of them are basically consoling uh, each other over the the happenings at school and the fact that they live in this shitty town with you know a lot of shitty rich kids that are that are mean to them and that that type of thing. So we follow them um, along for a little bit. Um, at one point they actually go to a uh, like a, like an old like classic record store um, which some of these things get around they, they, they sound tropey, right? like they go to the record store but you know it all works really well in this book um where they meet uh, they meet Judah who's a uh a clerk at at the record store um and, and you know he's kind of sympathetic to the plight of uh, of the the um kind of outcast kids uh in town
0: yeah I, you know what i was thinking the i was thinking i wonder what the perspective is for like different age people reading this because um that was me when I was that age. And I know that like record stores were different and more prominent, you know, when I was that age. Um, So it's not the same story, but like that, like, and and I'm guessing it's whatever makes sense to the kids, but like you have that one place. That's just like the safe Haven away from home. And, and that's obviously what that was in in this book is the exchange. Um, uh, So if regardless of how, tropey or or maybe if you're like record store what are you talking about it fully felt exactly right in this story and it was nice it was a nice place to be um so yeah like that establishes the, the closeness of the relationship the goofiness um kind of the dynamic of the two big friends but not too long after that um we have a quick kind of scene where lucy's back at home we learn a little bit more about her backstory which is She's from Peru, but um, lost her parents at a young age and is adopted. Her adoptive parents brought her to Oregon, where she's living now. And they're very loving. And she's got, like, probably the best parents someone could hope for in an adopted kid type situation. Um, But still, like, they just don't get her. Like, they're trying their hardest. But, like, there's things that they just can't, you know, give her or don't know what to do in certain situations. So we get a little bit of that backstory, But not long after that the story really kicks off when Bucket shows up with uh, a friend Brewer who Lucy isn't super excited about. Like, she knows of him. She doesn't completely hate the dude, but she's not super excited about him either. The two of them show up and they say, hey, we're going to this big party in the caves. Um, You should come with. And so she does. She decides against what she would usually do. She decides, you know what? All this crazy shit's going down. I'm feeling extra fucked up And uh, I'm just going to go give myself the opportunity to have some fun. And she goes with them to the caves where basically a good majority of their like high school. um, I I was going to say friends, but not necessarily friends, but a good majority of probably the high school is out partying at.
1: As you might imagine in a book that might come across as somewhat horror um, going to a party in the caves is not the best idea that any <laughs> of these kids have ever had. Yeah, yeah. You know, we just um, we just read, you know, we just reviewed standalone, right? <laughs> like, you know, the, the like um, yeah, basically a um, the, the horror movie um, serial killer book. Um, yeah. And that's that's where all of this kind of um, blows up in the town. So all of the things we've said before, so violent kids, uh, inexplicably violent kids, um, perhaps some kind of bigger tech conspiracy, all of these things come to a head um, at this party in the cave. And that's only like 15% of the way into the book. Um, And and it goes uh, (laughs) uh, horribly for for the entire town from there. Um, I mean, we'll probably leave with a little bit more. Um, what we'll say based on the World War Z reference in the in the synopsis um, that, uh, yes, there is a large group of people that are having some trouble and communications have become um, non-existent. And really, we follow this small band of people um, who are not necessarily affected by what's going on in the town as they try to make heads or tails um, of what's going on and either try and make it out of the town or or um I believe it's in the stops. just make it through the night
0: yeah and so as early as the caves when the caves go bad um but you know kind of thematically through the the book the good people the the good guys the protagonists the people that we like um are faced with horrors that they never anticipated so the classroom scene with like all of the chaos that happened there was like a little um like an appetizer of the chaos and the insanity that would happen later in the book. Um, and so they were already kind of pre-traumatized. So that they like, kind of like <laughs> they pre-gamed the horror that was to come. Um, but uh, yeah, there it was nothing compared to what happened starting in the caves and then basically, you know, throughout a good chunk of the rest of the story. And so in order to survive um, running away is a great idea, but also, uh, some retaliatory retaliatory violence is also necessary and so we find uh, Lucy and some of the people that she gangs up with uh, in a position where they have to do bad things in order to just continue uh, to survive so yeah from the caves it gets real crazy and that's where some telltale Jeremy Robert Johnson violence and gore really takes center stage um, as part of the story uh, when when this all unfolds. So it becomes more relentlessly paced, I'd say, after that because you're basically following blow by blow what happens with these characters uh, for the rest of the book.
1: Yeah, I want to touch on something you said about like retaliatory measures, retaliatory? Retaliatory measures. Um, I like... So there, there are some books that that are lined up where you know the protagonist has a you know certain set of skills that they're going to be able to use. And what I like about this is is the the people, as you you know, kind of call them the good guys, the protagonists, the whatever in, in this book. None of them have any any skills. Right. Yeah. You know, it's they're they're all kind of figuring out as they go, and that's always kind of a, an, an appealing way to look at it. So Lucy is not a ninja, and Bucket is not a Green Beret, you know, or, or, or anything like yeah. that. So it, it, it's kind of interesting to see them work their way uh, both into and out of situations with, you know, all the resources of like a non athletic, um, you know, high school outcast.
0: Yeah. And that was, that was, that's true for anybody who, who kind of aligns themselves with the good people. There's not really one person who is like the secret commando of the group. Um, everybody's just as weak and, vul- and vulnerable as everybody else um so yeah i i agree i think it was i i like it when the story does that but um but then the con- the concern becomes uh is the way the story's told going to support like their not uh, weaknesses or whatever or is it is there going to be like so many coincidences to help them through the story and they did it wasn't It all felt really good. It felt like, yeah, I could see this actually happening. There wasn't, you know, things along the way that saved their lives in ways that seemed incredulous or whatever.
1: Yeah, I was thinking back to the Max Brooks book, and I don't remember um, the character's name, but there was like the the older Russian lady who had... Survived like war-torn... Right, Serbia or whatever. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever it was, right? <laughs> like, like there's, there's nobody in this book that's like that. It makes it a little more endearing.
0: Yeah. And yeah. he even explains throughout the book, and I'm not going to go too deep into, like, the details, but, like, how the things that are happening to the people change them in a way that allows them to the react the way they do and do the things they do. So he reflects on how, like, trauma changes you in a way that helped build the characters to be more likely to do what they're doing in the book. So I thought that was a good way to to approach it.
1: Yeah, I uh I really was thinking about this book as more of a um like a high-tech Richard Layman novel, which is always a good thing if I think of something as uh, you know. I 100% agree. 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah, like I wasn't so. going to be the one to say it, but I was
0: waiting for you to say it because I was like, I'm yeah. going to agree with him when he says this
1: <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the rest of it is a very fast pace, high stakes, um, very, very violent, um, very action packed book. And I, I mean, I don't know that there's anything else we can say specifically about plot. We may toss around some other, you know, um, ideas and in general you know, statements and stuff, but. All I could say is it is a, it's a hell of a ride Sure, yeah, and the only thing I would say is like, um
0: the question is like do they are they just trying to survive, or are they trying to survive and stop the thing? And I think during the course of the book, it's probably both in different ways. Um, there is just like the thread of we have to just not die. But um, there is the question of like the question weight of like, how do we stop this or can we stop this or what's even going on? So um,
1: if you're wondering which direction it goes it explores kind of both themes for sure. Speaking of exploring things, I think Rob and I are going to pop over to patreon.com slash booked and explore uh, some of the most more spoilery aspects that we really can't, uh, can't do here. So if you are a Patreon um, contributor, at the $2 a month level, you can get to hear um, what likely will turn into 10, 15 minutes, I'm assuming, of discussion on the things we can't talk about here on the podcast. So if you've already read The Loop and you're a Patreon contributor, you should head over and check that out. Um, if not, you should go ahead and become a Patreon contributor, read the book, and then go check it out. Or in any other order you want to do those particular things.
0: I'm happy as long as you give us money. Exactly. All right, we are back from spoiler talk, a very productive spoiler talk, where um, if you thought we raved about the story so far, it was like five times more over there. Um, So if you've already read the book and want to hear the other stuff we had to say, or if you don't mind having the book spoiled because you didn't really think you were going to read it in the first place, patreon.com slash booked at least $2 a month, and you can hear what we had to say over there.
1: All right, anything else you want to say over here before we go to wrap ups?
0: I'm going to say one thing and uh, that is because I want it to be distinct from my wrap up is that of all of the books that we've read in 2020, Lucy as a protagonist is my absolute favorite protagonist, at least for 2020 and maybe
1: bleeding beyond that. Um, I'm not going to fight you on that. Lucy is pretty goddamn um, solid. Uh, and, and, And I'll be honest, I'm looking at my score for characters and I, I just I can't I, I have to uptick my score for characters because we talked about spoiler talk and I'm trying <laughs> yeah like I don't I don't know you know what I mean like I can't the characters were all great um Lucy obviously being the focal point but um you know there's the relationships in this are good the long term relationships are good the relationships that are um, kind of created and fostered through a very short timeline in the book are very good um, we get introduced to characters. Like, one pretty late in the book that that is played out really well. I mean, I, yeah, I'm bumping my scoring characters up
0: a little bit on this one. All right. Well, uh, does that mean you want to start off the ramp ups or Should I jump in?
1: I will be. I will be happy to start off the wrap up. So, um, I'll start with uh with uh, I just talked about characters, so I probably won't do a whole lot there. And you kind of heard my take on that. I want to talk about the conclusion. Of this book, And I can't because I had to do it over in spoiler talk because it would be terrible for me to talk about it here at length. This is my favorite conclusion of a book that we've read this year. And I think that's 30-ish books at this point. Um, easily, hands down, my, my favorite conclusion. And uh, I, if you've read the book and you're coming back to do the thing, like if I watch a great movie, sometimes I'll go watch someone's review or thoughts on it. You know, I, I think you'll understand why I, I think it's a great conclusion to the book. I think it was... Um, A little bold on the part of of Mr. Johnson, but I think it worked so, so well in the scope of of this story. Um, Other high marks, um, uh, pace, uh, very, very fast pace once you get out of the first 20% or so. Um, the first 20% takes place over a few days. The last 80% takes place over, you know, we'll say hours, maybe 24 of them at that and that type of pace um, when maintained properly by the author um, is is something I really enjoy. Um, my personal score is a 9. It's overall a terrific, terrific story. Um, when I average all of it out over the eight categories, that brings it to a 9.13 and personally one of my highest rated books of the year. All right, I'm going to start my wrap up by saying that um, we've
0: read several Jeremy Robert Johnson's uh, books over the years and um, we liked all of them, liked or loved all of them. So went in with high hopes uh, that this would, uh, you know, be kind of on that level and completely, completely those hopes were rewarded. This book was great. Um, I 100 percent agree with what Livia said about the conclusion and the characters, Um, the book. All of that stuff. I just really enjoyed what this book was. And like I said before, Lucy as a protagonist, that character was just a wonderful uh, experience to follow. Everything, all the ups and downs that she went through. Um, I, I will say that uh, for for such a bleak and horrific story and scary and weird, um, it did give you the occasional like happy moment or funny moment or moment of levity, which was like a little dopamine hit in the middle of all this, like tenseness. And I specifically said that because Livius will know what I mean. Getting a dopamine hit in a book like this is kind of a funny way of, of being more drawn into the story. Anyway, Johnson knocked this one out of the park. Characters were great. The end of the book was just amazing. Um, I love the overall plot, even though uh I had some very, very, very minor questions about the science slash weird biology things that were going on. None of it in any way even came close to taking away from how great the story was told. Um the tone was great because you would think that as a, a guy who's about to turn forty two following angsty teenagers around might not hit home for me so much, but I love these characters. I wanted to see what they were doing. I wanted to watch how they went through all of this and so um it all it all just worked wonderfully for me and the story was thrilling and fast paced and weird and 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 scary and really gory, but overall, like it hit the spectrum of emotions because you cared about these characters. You felt bad about the things that they felt bad about um and the ending just brought it all to a very specific emotional like terminus that i thought was very good my overall score was 9 out of 10 leaving the podcast <laughs> with a very weird 9.0625 out of 10 for this book
1: the scoring system's never going guess put on like the paperback edition right scored 9.0625 <laughs> on the book podcast <laughs> rob Listen, as a guy about to turn forty-two, one of the reasons you find yourself so surprised by following angsty teenagers is you don't watch enough fucking CW shows, man. We've talked about this. We got to get you on some Gossip Girl or.
0: <laughs> is that like my rite of passage? Now that I'm forty-two, I can start enjoying like teenage
1: dramas again. I've been enjoying them since I was a teenager. Jesus, yeah. Um, I also felt like during this book, like man. This is just made for Netflix. It just needs like seventy percent less gross, violent horror in it to like be a <laughs> Netflix original. Didn't you feel like this would really play out very well as a as a two R movie? Yeah.
0: yeah, it was very. It had a cinematic feel to it. Like, yep. if if he didn't do it on purpose, he at least has a cinematic storytelling technique. Mm-hmm.
1: Look, if you're a writer nowadays and you're not setting your books up to be easily adapted to. You know, for Netflix, then
0: you maybe you may want to rethink that. Yeah, you're basically that's like my, yeah. choosing not to have
1: a second paycheck for something. Correct. Yes. So um that's uh that's it. That's it for the loop. Um we are gonna try, and I'll say this publicly in case JRJ is listening, we're gonna try to get uh Jeremy on to talk with us about the loop and other things that have been going on in his life, um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So there's my public plea for, for JRJ to to join us here on Booked Again. I'm going to take a
0: quick moment to acknowledge that this is our 26th book of the year. Oh. So uh, a little key page update. We're at s- just under 7,600 pages for the year, 20, 26 books. I feel like we're on track easily to hit. I think we got to do like six more books in the next three months, nine, six to nine, eight. Let's say eight books to uh, to hit our 10,000 page goal. So I'm feeling pretty good about that.
1: The only, like I said, the only problem with that is that is that we've kind of run through the, the preordained list that we had. So, <laughs> well, yeah, um, we're going to be winging how long, it from how now on. <laughs> how many episodes has it been since we've just done an interlude, Would you say 14 episodes since we just yeah, shot the shit like about that. nothing? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we will be coming up on some of those. It won't be next week, but before we go on to next week, um, I did do something the other night, and I say this to Rob because before the podcast I said, yeah, I've got nothing else to talk about. Uh-oh. I take that back. I went to the drive-in movies on friday night what yeah so um that's irresponsible you might be wondering
0: huh that's totally irresponsible what? how do you figure i mean did you oh wait it's a drive-in movie never mind you're good
1: yes yeah that's yeah that's where you sit in your own car <laughs> so um, i was just
0: so worried for your well-being that i thank you i, yeah, I panicked
1: that um i will say they actually had social distancing at the drive through I'm throwing my hands up in the Come air. I are really you serious? Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, have you ever been to to a? I said drive through, a drive in. Have you ever been to a drive in? Uh,
0: yeah, several times when I was uh, a kid, okay. younger.
1: Yeah. So you know, you had, each car gets one pole, and if you want to use the speaker, you hang the speaker in your car, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, between two poles is room for two cars. They actually had it so it was just one car between each pole. And I think part of the reason is that the majority of people weren't sitting in their car. They either had like their uh, their like SUVs parked backwards or their pickup truck, and were sitting out back. Some people oh. had like lawn folding chairs set up next to their car and stuff. But the real question that I thought you would have is, what in God's name would cause me to do that? And I'll be honest, there's probably only one movie. That would get me to go do this. And I'll just give you a guess. It's okay if you don't get it. But if you really think about this, think about what would draw me out of the house to sit in my car and watch a movie at a drive-in theater. Um, can I ask a, a qualifying question first? Yes, yes. Is it a
0: recent movie or not? No, a recent God, movie? no,
1: no, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, it just had its 45th anniversary, which is the yeah. reason why it was at a drive-in theater.
0: Oh, my God. 45 years. That's throwing me because I don't
1: know what came out in 45. It's like, yeah.
0: yeah,
1: I don't know. All right. So it was the 45th anniversary of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Duh.
0: I should have yeah. just guessed that yeah. even if I didn't know yeah. the, the age of it.
1: They did. Uh, <laughs> they did. They, they did do it as a double feature. So I literally sat in my car for like six and a half hours. Uh, Wait. From start to finish. Um,
0: I guess the strong, the important question that I need to ask is. Was there a bunch of assholes standing right in front of the screen, like making you do weird Uh, dances and shit?
1: No, okay. There were not. There were not. There was some audience participation, (laughs) but it was so little (laughs) that the people that were like yelling at the screen just seemed like idiots. You know what I mean? Like it just wasn't enough people.
0: I'm going to tell you right now, Livius, that's what it was always like.
1: Yeah. And then when the time warp (laughs) happened, people got up and were doing the time warp. I I, seriously, other than going to the concession stand and like the rest (laughs) of the. Over the course of six hours, I sat in my car watching. Um, But it was a double feature with another great classic musical. Do you want to take a guess at what that might be?
0: The only thing that comes... No, I have no idea. Grease or something? Grease, yeah. It was a double feature
1: with Grease. So we went and saw Grease followed by the Rocky Horror (laughs) Picture Show at a drive-in theater um, last Friday. So um, I'll tell you it was not as so when I, uh, because it was a double feature, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like each of these movies is like almost two hours long. Right. Plus an intermission. Plus you got to get there early to get a spot. I was not looking forward to six plus hours in the car, but you know what? It went by <laughs> quicker than it had any right to. I, I actually had a really good time doing it.
0: That's, I mean, I'm not going to top that for recent shit I've been up to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was uh
1: yeah it was it was an experience last time i was at a drive-in i was probably 18 maybe 19 so it's been it's probably been 30 years since i've been at a drive-in and uh quite honestly they've not updated one fucking thing in that 30 years no I, yeah
0: that's that's not a surprise yeah. i will say that like my last two memories of going to drive-ins like you know how like that's like the that's like the potential like it's a romantic sexy place to be I went one time with my friend Sean. So obviously not romantic or sexy. And then a separate time with his sister Erin and also not romantic or sexy. So like I go with that family to to drive-ins. It's the only time I remember ever going. It's kind the of question weird. becomes Robert, are you sure they didn't find it romantic or sexy just because you did? <laughs> I mean, I could ask them. That would be a weird way to reach out after all these years. Yes,
1: yes. Listen, do you remember when we went to the drive-in? Did you find that romantic (laughs) or sexy?
0: Were you disappointed when we didn't make out?
1: (laughs) Yeah, 30 people are waiting to hear the answer to this question very publicly (laughs) on the podcast. Oh, my God. Um but, yeah, so just so you know the McHenry drive in theater is open for business i'm I'm pretty sure so i I've heard different weird things like they're actually like doing concerts and stuff where they like erect a stage and you just pull up in your car and like pull out your little lawn chair and watch concert and stuff so um other than that, I don't think they're doing any kind of first run movies. I'm guessing it's all kind of weird throwback, you know nostalgia stuff. I don't think that Tenet is playing um you know there, so but if you
0: want to see Vince Neal probably that's yes yeah yeah.
1: that's that's I could I could totally see him on stage (laughs) at the the McHenry drive-in theater so yeah that was my little bit of excitement most exciting time I've had in uh in a little while there drive-in movies
0: that's I mean good for you that's uh I like that businesses are trying to adapt to a pandemic situation um and I like when they do it well obviously some people are just being stupid about shit but like the drive-in totally makes sense. It's probably like way better than being in a closed-in room,
1: even if you're socially distanced from a bunch of other assholes. Yeah. And and I'm sure it was a combination of some excitement about the Rocky Horror Picture Show anniversary and then Grease, right? Universally loved by um, by women. It was packed. <laughs> It, it was packed. I don't know yeah. if they had like turn people away, but everywhere you could park a car, there was a car. And like I said, I know they're at half capacity or, or whatever, but but there were there were a ton of people. I will say a good percentage of people left after Greece, really leaving <laughs> just the freaks there to watch Rocky Horror. But um, it's the first time I got to see Rocky Horror on a big screen in 25 27, 28 years. Um, or last time I saw it was at the Mundelein theater. Um, and I think that went out of business 25 years ago. So
0: do you know my, you do you you know my Rocky horror story, right? I've told you, I do,
1: but I totally think you should let listeners hear it.
0: (sighs) It was at that fucking Mundelein theater. That's like, like my PTSD. I'm getting flashbacks. Um, I'll tell the quick, uh, the quick version, which is I was like probably 16 or 17 at the time. I didn't have a car. So my buddy, John, who has been mentioned on the podcast before, John, um, him and his girlfriend at the time uh, stopped by and they picked me up. They're like, yeah, I'm just going to go hang out. And so I didn't care what we were doing because it was better than being at home, not, you know, in a car somewhere. And um, he seemed like he was going in a very specific place. But I was just like, all right, we're cruising around, whatever. We get to like line and we're pulling through this parking lot. And I'm like, where the fuck are we going? Because he hasn't mentioned that we were going somewhere. And then I start, like, some clues start popping up. I'm like, that's a drag queen or a crossdresser. That's a crossdresser. We're at a movie theater. What's going on? And then I, f- I figured it out. Like, they're taking me to Rocky Horror. And it was too Everybody's late. Everybody's like, got
1: <laughs> toilet paper with them. Where the <laughs> hell are we going?
0: It's too late. I couldn't do anything. So I had to experience Rocky Horror. Um, and I'm sure it was the girlfriend's idea. Uh, so I'm not blaming John. But he was, he, was, uh, he was complicit. Um, and so uh, from what I understand, you can correct me if it's your first time, um, seeing it, like there's certain participation things you have to do. You're considered a virgin, right?
1: Correct. Yes.
0: Yeah. I totally lied and yeah. Pretended I
1: wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, I, I yeah, look, I'm I'm not a big crowd participant, um, to be honest. I, I I like watching the, you know, I think shadow cast is the term they use for for um, the stuff. But I, I probably talked about this before. Twenty um, ish years ago, I was really excited because they actually released it on video for the first time. So I, I'd been to see it three or four times. It was one of those things you had to go like 10:30 at night, you know, to halfway across town. This is in Chicago. I saw it at the 400 theater. Um, so it's really late, but you could like bring your own booze, you know, but it's not something you could do super often. All right. I mean, I guess there's people who do it every week, but you know, so I'd seen it three or four times. So I was really excited when it came out on video. I tried watching it as just a movie and I was horribly disappointed. So now fast forward 12 years or something after that experience, um I was very very ill one Halloween and Halloween is my favorite holiday of the of the year and I'm completely laid up in bed and I'm bitter cuz I'm sick and there's no plans to do anything cuz I'm not feeling well I'm flipping channels on TV and the sci-fi channel has the Rocky Horror Picture Show on and it's like 10 in the morning right like there's nothing else to watch and I go okay I'm going to I'm just going to leave this on and they played it on repeat all day and I kept watching so like by my fourth viewing it had like endeared itself to me as a movie <laughs> and not just as like this weird thing you go see. And now it's one of my probably top 10 favorite movies. So, I mean, I still watch it at least once or twice a year. I've seen the, I think it's the 2007 London play, you know, on video. I watched the Fox remake. I've watched it. You know what I mean? I've watched a variety of, of different things on it and I kind of enjoy it in all its iterations. And, uh, was just nice to see it on a big screen again so that's it
0: well even if i think it's awful i'm very happy that you had a good time you just don't like it as a movie either i you know what i'm not leaving out the possibility that the the way that it was introduced to me had some impact on my feeling about it um but i'm not in any hurry to like test that theory so all
1: right i can i can loan you the dvd
0: no we're good it's
1: fine. All right. <laughs> All right. That's it uh, for this week. Uh, we are going to have a little bit of an interesting episode next week. So correct me if I'm wrong, but we have never full on done a review of just an audiobook before. You are correct. We are. Yeah, we've so never we've, done t- we've listened to some audio stories for a little while. We were doing something on another podcast that had audio stories. Um, but this is going to be our first review for an audio book. And the reason we're doing it as an audio book is it doesn't exist in print form. Yeah. Audible Original Radicals by Nick Corpon will be what we're reviewing um, next week.
0: I'm interested because um, I'm sure it happens, but it hasn't happened close enough to us to like have another example of it where a book comes out either first or exclusively as an audio book. But like we've really enjoyed Nick's uh, stuff he's written in the past. And so this was a great opportunity to say, hey, why why not uh review an audio an audiobook only book? And it turns out that like, you know, it ends up being about six and a half or so hours long and if it was a full length novel, that's pretty much how much time it would take. So um the experience is only gonna be different in the fact that like we're not flipping pages. Um but yeah, I I'm sure we'll have to talk about other stuff like the voices that were narrating it and stuff like that. So it'll be an interesting approach to uh to a, to our book review process
1: what rob's trying to say is we're gonna fumble through this motherfucker because we have no idea <laughs> what we're doing i'll tra- yeah. I'll translate i'll translate for the common folk that's nice <laughs> um, i have i've already started it and i'm 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 looking forward to uh to discussing um not just whatever the story ends up being but yeah kind of the the experience versus um reading a book. I know we've touched on the podcast year before because I, uh, my commute to work has changed over the course of the last six months. So I did listen to I think like three or four audiobooks books um, prior to this, but then I kind of pretty quickly switched back to podcasts. So this will be my first, my first one in a couple months.
0: Yeah. And really for me, the only audiobook experience I have is um, I listened to the shining when we were reviewing Dr. Sleep because I had mm-hmm. not read the book and I didn't want to go through reading the full book before we read another book. Um, and I had a good commute at that time. Other than that, like again for the podcast, I I audio booked, um, the David Duchovny books, Holy Cow, and Bucky Fucking Dent, on my trip home from Texas. <laughs> One time because we suddenly had an interview with David Duchovny and I was like, I need to know what I'm talking about. So that was my only opportunity to get those books uh, taken care of before we we talked to David Duchovny. So really, those three books are the only times I've ever done audiobooks. So this will be interesting to talk about.
1: Yeah, and that book actually came out a couple of days ago. So if you have an Audible subscription, you can go grab that again. It's called Radicals and it's by Nick Corpon, N-I-K-K-O-R-P-O-N. Um, you can also use your um, free trial on audible if you have not done so previously and maybe it's something you want to listen to so you can kind of uh review along with us while we do this next week so uh hopefully it'll be a lot of fun there you go so join us next week for that and until then i'm rob olson and i'm olivia snedden keep reading